ahead. Spoilers ahead. Man, I had the weirdest dream. At least I think it was a dream. I tripped on a cat last night. Well, well, it wasn't a cat. It was more like um, not a cat. And and I hit my head. Whew, did that hurt. At least I got a good night's sleep. At least I think I did. Anyway, this morning I get up and I'm talking to my best buddy Max, and we happen to get onto the subject of music. And would you believe oh, this? <laughs> Max says there was never any such band as Cleo's Gone Twinkle Down Messerschmitt. I mean, come on! Could you even imagine a world without Cleo's Gone Twinkle Down Messerschmitt? <laughs> oh, sure, it's easy if you try, but that would be like no hell below us, above us what? Only sky? Who'd want that? Now, once again, Max, tell me you have never heard a single song from Cleo's Gone Twinkle Down Messerschmitt and tell me with a straight face. That's actually not much of a challenge because I've looked this up. There has never been a band named Twinkle Down Upper Gun Toothpaste Meth or whatever the hell that was. Yeah, that's what I thought you'd say. Well, I have this to say to rebuke you, old friend, and that uh -huh. is, welcome to Max Mike Movies! <laughs> We're doing a series on Cleo's Gone... Right, 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 right. <laughs> the Beatles called, ladies and gentlemen, The Beatles. This week... We're going decidedly Beatles-adjacent with a movie called Yesterday, which does not star any actual Beatles and is not really about them in any way. Or well. is it? We'll find out in a moment. But first, we would just like to say that here at Max Mike Movies, we are totally willing to admit when we're wrong. And Max, well, he's such a mensch that he'll volunteer right away. So I'd just like to say thanks to Max for admitting that he was wrong in letting me say a couple of weeks ago that Coda would not be a good choice for Best Picture. Thank you, Max. You're welcome. I, of course, knew immediately that it was going to win and just decided to uh, let you go with it. That was our best yourself, timing ever. That was, that was remarkable and, yes, utterly unexpected. <laughs> uh, I mean, we knew because they... I mean, we totally knew! <laughs> yes, uh, so you should listen definitely next year because our predictions are uncanny. Un. Canny. That means without canny. Yes, we have no can. They're not canned. They're fresh. Well, once again, thank you, Max. Now we You're have welcome. these poll. <laughs> we have these poll question <laughs> answers to go over. So, won't you? Poll question. Last week we asked, "What action movie cliche punches the biggest hole in your suspension of disbelief?" Well, you all felt punched, and this is how. <sighs> First up from the website, we have Snowy Vince Amos. offered us, quote, OMG, I assume that means, oh my God, it's supposed to zero milligrams. I think it's zero milligrams. Sure. Uh, quote, oh my God, you can't jump half a mile from one rooftop to another. <laughs> I used to box and fighting hand to hand is really exhausting. So when people run, fight, chase, fight again for a 10 minute plus scene, I can only think the characters would be asleep by the end. <laughs> I mentioned this before, but the lead character always happens to be at the right place and time to hear just the right thing to take them to the next plot point. <laughs> uh, it just seems uh, extra bad in an action film, end quote. You know, in some cities, they actually have the plot point bus line you can get on. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yes, you are also right. Thanks, Vince. Yep. Ned, also from the site, has some experience. Uh, Quote, if you spent any, 
and I really do mean any amount of time learning any sort of martial arts, it becomes very apparent when actors actually learn something and when they've learned how to go through some motions. Yeah. Uma Thurman in Kill Bill is an unfortunate example of this, as is Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. It's hard to watch because now you can't believe that this person knows what they're doing, though that's kind of okay in the latter example. Moral of the story, don't do martial arts, end quote. <laughs> but Ke Keanu assures us he knows kung fu. No, you don't, Mr. Connery. <laughs> Thanks, Ned. Back on the Facebook, Matt Reisman was first with, quote, It's dumb because it's so minor, but people flying backwards after being shot. Really, oh, though, yeah. anything Mythbusters disproved, end quote. <laughs> oh, Mythbusters did the best with all of them, and there's a lot. Thanks, Matt. Dave! Oh, I can't seem to start this morning. Dave! I gotta get that fixed. Dave posted, quote, Gunfights when the hero is massively outnumbered and you know there is no possibility he will be harmed, and then the one tough bad guy shows up and seems to be winning the one-on-one, -on -one, winning until he loses because the hero always wins, and why did I decide to watch this movie again? <laughs> End quote. Dave, we have all suffered that little cinematic Alzheimer's, oh, yes. haven't we? Oh, yeah. Yes, thanks. Jess Miller commented, quote, two things for me. First, guns at fire an unrealistic amount of shots slash never need to be reloaded. Second, every action movie where they go through the big fight scene or window or explosion with no reference to or thought of how much that had to hurt. <laughs> Basically, as much as I love it, think the fight between Brad and Angelina in Mr. and Mrs. Smith. There's no way they came out of that as adults without any injuries the next day when I can't sleep on the wrong pillow without regretting it for three days. <laughs> this is part of what Good I liked. Point. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> this is part of what I liked in some of the new uh, Marvel Avengers movies. At least they acknowledge that you shouldn't feel great after you were thrown through a plate glass window, end quote. Yeah. Um, counting bullets, uh, that'll just make you mad. Uh, oh, yeah. Jess yeah. came back a little later with, quote, adding on, after reading Geneva's many comments, any human wearing high heels in an action sequence and not uh. breaking a bone, rolling an ankle, etc., to me, running in stilettos is the most unrealistic part of the movie, end quote. <laughs> I can tell you that's really hard. Yeah, boy, you know, Max has gone through so many... Hey, wait a minute! Um. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jessington. So many heels. <laughs> Speaking of Geneva Brunetti, and we were, she was speaking of, quote, when someone fights a gang of bad guys and they always take turns challenging <laughs> the protagonist one by one and waiting their turn. It's polite. It is polite. However, they're bad guys, and one of the reasons they're bad guys is because they're not polite. Anyway, she continues, I feel like the point of a gang of bad guys would be to overpower the person so like jump them all at once or how they're incapacitated with the entire fight by one punch if you're hired muscle for a big bad guy you've probably accomplished a lot of physic a lot physically to get there and have a little more stamina to withstand being hit once by someone who's then distracted by the next guy end quote you are so totally right fight yep. as a team henchman do you want to hench forever yeah <laughs> Do you want to hinge forever? I am. Thanks, Geneva. Stop that. <laughs> Dave. I'll tell you a song while I'm here. <laughs> Dave, in, re uh, in retaliation to Geneva, snuck back in with, quote, ha ha, I can live with this if the martial arts are well choreographed. Bad hand-to-hand -hand fighting choreography drives me crazy for technical reasons, but in a martial arts movie where this is done out of dubious sense of courtesy or honor, I can accept. I'm also always interested in how many changes of camera angles there are and what they do to show people getting up from off the ground. In the year before COVID, I started getting lightheaded when getting up too quickly from the ground, so now I have to pause halfway every time in order to make sure there's still blood in my hand. I wonder if he meant head when I got yeah. to my feet. 
As such, I am very sensitive to the logistics of choreography. And of course, I could write a, an entire treatise about what to do with the blood when depicting sword fighting in samurai movies, end quote. Uh, and just to let this uh, be known, Dave actually does practice martial arts, so he would He not. does. He studies karate. No, he does. Oh, yeah. Yes, actually, he does. Yes, as does Ned. Anyway, that all is all explained because Dave knows these things. So thanks again, Dave. Nick Hoffman has this to offer, quote, I absolutely cannot stand it when one party is driving a supercar and the other is driving a POS point of sales. Mm. Uh, and, no, <laughs> we can't say that on this show. And they have no problem keeping up with the supercar drives me nuts. End quote. Yep. Always go yeah. with the Chevy. It's cheaper and it goes <laughs> just as fast as the Lamborghini. <laughs> That's exactly the same acceleration. Yep. yep. Thanks, Nick. And you don't have to shift it. Uh, Geneva. The, wait again. Uh, huh? Geneva we, also yeah. snuck back in with, quote, women, and everyone for that matter, coming out of convertibles with perfect hair. Also, oh boy. no smudged makeup, especially after getting punched in the face. You hit your nose and you tear up. That's biology. You wear mascara for longer than a day during your stakeout after attending a ball. It's going to flake. You just ran to escape the bad guy to the point where you're out of breath and hunched over. You're going to be sweating, end quote. Well, you'd know more about makeup than I would, Geneva, and... Max. Thanks, Geneva. She's right. <laughs> is, uh, is, is that it? Uh, well, we'll see. Steve Kellner managed to squeeze in between Geneva's with, quote, running through <laughs> a hail of bullets without so much as a nick, end quote, yeah. or just the Kirk blood trickle in the corner of the mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Geneva Brunetti. Now, now wait just huh? a minute. <laughs> Whose show is this? <laughs> well, that's okay. We actually love the comments. Uh, she has just one more thing. Quote, also the idea that teenage men or people will always make a grand gesture immediately after someone acts like an ass out of emotion. In real uh, life, yeah. kids would never stand on a table in a cafeteria to shout their feelings to their classmates in front of everybody. They're way too self-conscious. Adults would probably just say, okay, and not speak to you anymore if you made a scene <laughs> and lecture them about how they're not good to you or something. Just gives false expectations for communication and interpersonal relationships. End quote. This um, is in a lot of action movies, is it? A uh, feeling action movie? It's not exactly an action movie thing, but uh, I think I know the movie you're talking about. It drove me crazy, and I totally agree. Thanks again, Geneva, and get your own show. Just kidding. Adam Mark was next. I think we're, uh, I think we're out of Geneva's at this point. Okay. Quote, how smart human villains are. Most terrorists, thieves, and spies, and other wrongdoers are often very dumb, very susceptible to manipulation, and desperate, pathetic, paranoid people. They are not the evil bwahaha we see depicted in cinema, end quote. That's a really interesting perspective. Thanks. I'd, Apparently, want, I'd want some backup on that, but that's a really interesting thing to pursue. On the website, on Facebook, I actually did ask him about that. Apparently, he has done a lot of reading up on it, so oh, which makes okay. sense, but there you go. Yeah. Val, quote, I'm not Geneva Brunetti, end quote. Kuhn sent us, quote, I agree with just about... She didn't actually say that. Quote, ah. I agree with just about everything here. Here's mine. Why, oh, why do the evil masterminds set up these elaborate kill-the-hero machines, <laughs> spend an hour talking about how much they hate the hero, how much they want to kill them, then either get distracted by a henchman, explosion, other, or they build the machine so badly the hero gets out without a problem. Just shoot him for crying out loud, end quote. We got that in uh, Austin Powers. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just lock him in this easily escapable death trap and then leave and assume everything went to plan. What? <laughs> Scott is, Scott, he was going, I have a gun in my room. <laughs> I can get it. Boom. One in the head. We're done. <laughs> Scott, 
You just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old laser to the nuts trick. No, Mrs. Coons, I expect you to... Bumpy bucks! Yeah. Thanks, Val. Ben Schleiss is last with, quote, people getting shot in the movies, shooting someone in the knee or shoulder and it not being a big deal. Also using arrows, like that isn't damaging. Messing up a shoulder or knee is also really traumatic and isn't something to be scoffed at, end quote. I've never been shot with either, but I bet arrows hurt. <laughs> I would think so. Big, sharp sticks shoved into your flesh at high speed. Yeah. Thanks, Ben. Uh, how about you, Max? What, what action, this is your question, what action movie cliche just gets under your nethers? <laughs> These guys hit a lot of the beats, but one of the things I can't stand is the magic of bulletproof vests mm. in the movies. I knew this would be A it. bulletproof vest is not a, a perfect defense. I knew a couple of guys who worked in security who said, look, a bulletproof vest, if you are lucky, will keep you from dying. In the movies, you're wearing one, you get hit with a bullet, you stagger backwards, you're fine. Or maybe you get knocked over and you get up. No, you don't. You have just been hit in the chest, in effect, with a sledgehammer. You've got broken ribs, you probably have a collapsed lung. The only thing it keeps, it, keep, keeps from happening is the bullet penetrating your flesh. You are. You can still be shot with a bulletproof vest on and die from the bullet. Max, could you say penetrating the flesh again? Penetrating the flesh. Oh, Andy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I knew this was going to be your answer because yeah. you've had, uh, at least you've talked to people experience and yeah. I mean, let's face it, even Doc Brown just gets up, oh, that hurt. Yeah, they yeah. <laughs> just brush them off. M16 or whatever it was. Yeah. Maybe, okay, the worst that happens is they faint. And then they're up and they're up. No, I don't have to go to the hospital. No, my entire rib cage isn't shattered. My sternum isn't cracked. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What's your pet peeve? Uh, all of the above. I mean, really, the uh, the levels of unrealistic action have gotten to the point where I just roll my eyes because I get it. You want us to be excited by this action scene, but the problem is it doesn't hurt anybody. So there's nothing. There, there's no point to it. It's like I don't feel worried for the hero at all you know there's there's nothing on the line it's like oh i got shot in the shoulder trickle trickle wipe kirk fight whatever um i actually really appreciate and go back and watch this i really appreciate the first indy jones movie because he spends uh, parts of the movie just being like don't touch me i'm in yes, so much pain i am in agony <laughs> he looks hurt. like a guy who's been in a brawl or uh, worse you know, it's like marion says where doesn't it hurt he's like taps one elbow yeah i would rather see that there's it feels like there's actually something at stake yeah um i counting bullets stopped being a thing because let's just fake it face it that's you know the little six shooter has had 11 or 12 bullets for the last 30 <laughs> years um it's just dumb i just I, I don't want that much fantasy in my action if it's a fantasy movie um if it is a a um science fiction space opera movie lightsabers whatever oops did i say that <laughs> okay sure because we don't even know what the stupid gun does although yeah, yeah. let's face it why bother wearing the armor it, it, it keeps you from seeing and it doesn't help yes uh, it doesn't even stop ewok arrows <laughs> or pebbles um I just i would rather that that as cool as it's choreographed i would rather the results of the action stuff were more re towards the realistic. be nice if there were consequences yeah exactly that so 
Well, that was a great set of answers, as always. It really was. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone. You really do improve our little show no end. And seems you, since you seem to like to help out, why not do so again? This week, we'd like to know, if you could strike one movie or franchise from the memories of everyone and be sure oh. it'd never show up ever, which would it be? Yeah, I know, right? Spoiled for choice. Yeah. Wow. Let us know. And if you're lucky, at the end of the episode, we'll even tell you how. I'll have to think about that because, quite honestly, you know, my first thought rhymes with spylight. Uh, hmm, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now, <laughs> trivia for yesterday. The show. Budget. Let's say $26 million. There's a discrepancy, which likely has to do with marketing. $10 million alone was for the music. Yeah. Take a rather surprising $154 million. Well played, sir. Ah, uh, that explains uh, Yesterday 2 and Yesterday 3 coming out. No. No, no, it does not. <laughs> speaking of franchises. No, but speaking of rights, this movie had to be finished and released quickly as the rights to some of the earlier Beatles songs were going to revert to Sir Paul McCartney, and Sony didn't want to have to deal with that. It's okay, he sued them anyway. <clears throat> the writer of this movie, Richard Curtis, went to the source to get permission for making this movie, Paul McCartney. Paul was cool with it, but thought it should be named Scrambled Eggs instead. <laughs> Extra points if you know why. See our entire episode on help. He's written quite a few big films, including Four Weddings and a Funeral, Notting Hill. See our entire episode on Notting Hill. Bridget Jones' Diary, and was one of the writers for Black Adder and Mr. Bean. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, it was not his original idea, but he wrote the script. Himesh Patel, who plays Jack, does indeed do all his own singing. Yeah, nice. Ed Sheeran was the second choice to play... Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran? The, <laughs> really? the part was originally meant for Coldplay lead singer Chris Martin, who was otherwise engaged. <laughs> I'll guess being in Coldplay. Uh, Somehow Ed Sheeran wasn't, which is interesting, but there you go. Wasn't in Coldplay? I don't think that's unusual at all. <laughs> Special effects in motion. When Jack flies into Liverpool International Airport, and boy did that hurt, uh, the sign had to be changed as its name is now the Liverpool John Lennon Airport, and Oh, that's right. I actually knew that. Yeah. yeah. Permission to use the songs did not, of course, come from the Beatles or their estates. Mm. Sony holds those now, and, well, we know who to blame. Thriller! Oh. <clears throat> Three of the characters <laughs> are named after Beatles songs. Rocky the roadie is obviously Rocky Raccoon. Ellie is from Eleanor Rigby, and her roommate, which I didn't even know her name, was Lucy, and, well, you get the idea. Yeah. I thought this is the most darling aspect of the film. The actors who played Jack's parents in the movie are in actual real life a married couple. Oh, <laughs> Isn't that nice? That's that so is nice. nice. They seem so nice. <laughs> um, so cute. Ed Sheeran, speaking of Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran's main inspiration for his own songwriting, you got it, The Beatles. Uh. Robert Carlyle, perhaps best known for his appearance in The Full Monty and, unfortunately, Aragon, has a small uncredited part <laughs> near the end. Yeah. Do you know any uh, trivia about this film, Max? Uh, the, uh, Mr. Carlyle, you mentioned, also Don't is, prob is probably uh, better known, at least for recent stuff, as his role as Rumpelstiltskin in the TV show Once Upon a Time. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. If you look him up, he was, he's been in a lot. He has. And now, the plot. It's present day, more or less, and street musician Jack Malik, I assume it's Malik. 
Jack Malik. Malik, yeah. Played by Himesh Patel, can't seem to make it. Having tried since a childhood performance of Wonderwall, he's at the end of his rope. His manager, Ellie, played by Lily James, won't give up on him and keeps pushing. But after a dismally attended performance at a local music festival where not even all his friends show up, he calls it quits. Riding his bike home, the streets go suddenly dark, not only there, but all around the world in a momentary power blip that seems to come from nowhere and have no lasting effect. So what you're telling me is there's a kind of hush all over the world? I know. And that's not even a Beatles song. Except that now, no one's ever heard of about the Beatles except Jack. Unbelieving at first, he finally starts playing songs by the Beatles, taking credit for them when no one seems familiar with the songs, the names of the band, or its members. As one might expect, the songs speak for themselves, and soon Jack finds that his career as a musician takes a very different course indeed. Somehow, Ed Sheeran, played by Ed Sheeran, hears him and asks if he can open for his European tour, like Tuesday, man. Jack goes, does really well, and is quickly snapped up by an evil record company, TM, so that he might release his songs to the world. As it becomes more successful, guilt starts to gather as Jack realizes that he really isn't that good, and Ellie, who's been with him since the performance of Wonderwall, simply can't wait for him to man up and kiss her already! <clears throat> On the eve of the huge record deal coming to fruition at a Sheeran concert at Wembley Stadium, like you do, Jack comes yeah. clean, telling the world that not only did he not write the songs, they were written by a group of four that the world still has never heard of. Releasing the rights to the songs to the world, he goes back to teaching music and finds that, along with that choice and the choice to finally kiss the girl, life is indeed, as a surprise guru tells him, a lot better when things are simpler. And so, we all own the Beatles songs, everyone's happy, the end. The Lowdown uh, I would like to point out one one thing about the way you described it. It's not that nobody remembers the Beatles. It's they didn't exist. There were no Beatles. Because he Google, tries to Google right. them and all that comes up are insect pictures. Right. Um, they, never, they never formed a band. There was also some other things that are interestingly missing. Yeah. One of them very is odd. Coke. There's no Coke. Coca-Cola. There's Pepsi, and, but there's no Coke. Mm -hmm. And cigarettes. Cigarettes. Cigarettes don't exist. No, which I that, that's a weird one. Also, now it's I, it, I I couldn't help but wonder if this was a dig. There's no Oasis. <laughs> oh, well, they were called the next Beatles, so that kind of. But that's the odd thing is a lot of the other you know the Rolling Stones still exist. Most of the other music exists. There's also one other little thing they mentioned. I wondered if you caught because it, oh. it meant it's one of your favorite shows. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, they're hoping that he can someday make it onto Thursday Night Live. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. And as it also turns out at the end, there's no Harry Potter. Right. Which, you know, th that could be number two. But let's just let's just not do that. OK, we don't actually, quite honestly, I, I don't know. If, would the world be better off without Harry Potter at this point? I don't know. I, don't know. I enjoyed them. The, the books were fun. I'm not saying oh, they're yeah. well. Books were a lot fun. of fun. So how had you heard of this film? Had you seen it before? Uh, yeah, I had. I saw it when it came out. Okay, back back right before the world went to hell, uh, two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Um, was it just like a preview, uh, maybe? Or yeah, I saw I saw a trailer for it, and I heard Beatles music. And I thought, <laughs> hey, this looks like fun. And actually, it's like, oh, I wanted to see what it was like. Is the premise of wow, nobody remembers the Beatles. This is, this could be really interesting. It's a really interesting premise. Um, yeah, this is. So we've seen films before where there's some sort of fantastic element, like 
aliens land or something happens and this this is what's what they call a what if film it's almost a mathematical equation so instead of the quadratic formula being you know 2ab blah 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 what if it's 3ab it's literally that they change one little element and coke and cigarettes and oasis but whatever um and they're like well what would that be like and what would it be like if one person knew spoiler it's not just one person but it's close enough that that doesn't really matter yeah yeah and that's where they go with it. And here's the part that gets interesting. Um, the Beatles songs. Mm. Can you take them out of their element, their fame, yeah. the history yeah. of them? Could you do that and just present them? And would they have the same reaction? I was wondering about that because it's a very... Di- this is taking place in contemporary 2019, or roughly. Yep. They don't really say, but it's got it's around now. And these songs came out in the 60s. They came out in the 60s. Yeah. You know, they came out 50 years ago. It seems really unlikely that someone would just dump them out there and go, Hi, these are all works of genius. I don't even know if they would work that well. In fact... I thought at the beginning of the movie when he's playing them in pubs or he's playing them for his his family and everyone's just sort of like, huh. Except for yesterday, right. she plays for his friends and they practically start crying. Right. That's sort of when he discovers for I, I like how he just starts to get the hint of the, that he's the only one who remembers them when he say, he's in the hospital after the bus accident. Right. And, and he says to uh, to Ellie, you know, will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm 64? And he goes, sure, but why 64? Yeah. And then just walks out, and he's like, huh? Well, you know, we make references all the time that people don't get, and we don't really expect them to get, which is half the fun of making them. But that was one, of course you would expect someone to get. Yeah, I could easily, I mean, that's why he doesn't make a big deal of it at the time, because I can mm-hmm. totally see dropping that, and maybe he thinks, oh, she'll figure it out later. You know, like, yeah, eh, yeah. she missed it, no big deal. She was thinking about yeah. something else. Um. I don't know. It some of the songs yesterday. Let's work. face it. Yesterday is a beautiful song. It's very it sad. Um, it's it's a pretty amazing song. Mm-hmm. But would it compete in today's atmosphere? I ooh, mm. I think a lot it's of it, quite tricky. honestly, would have to do with who's performing it. I mean, when he's with, like, when he does songs like "I Saw Her Standing There" and people go nuts. I'm like. Would they? Yeah. People went nuts for that because they'd never heard anything like that. They had never heard. It's such a rousing, you know, boisterous song. And we've had, this is this is now post-punk rock, post-heavy metal, post-speed metal. Right. It, it's And that's, that's yeah, one of the things that they tricky. specifically don't really deal with. And, you know, there's not really room for them to do so. Yeah. Is they don't deal with what music would have become without oh, the influence. I gotta say, that's a big kind of hole in this movie. And kind I of. understand <laughs> it's like, okay, this, fundamentally, this is a romantic comedy. Right. So this part really isn't that, isn't the major, but the it wouldn't just be a question of nobody doesn't know, know the Beatles. How many things would be different? Yeah. The, the Beatles influenced fashion choices, hairstyles, movie styles, and were a huge, huge influence. And you can't just pluck them out and expect nothing to be different. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Ed Sheeran wouldn't exist without the Beatles. Not in his present form, potentially. No. There'd be no monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
And what a national nightmare that would be. <laughs> and there'd be no Archies, because the Archies were no, like, okay, no. we're doing this right this time. We're not naming anybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I don't blame them for not sitting down and go, okay, we have to yeah. figure out what the popular music scene in the Western that part of the world would be like. Years. <laughs> They would have had to have, like, cultural anthropologists, musicologists, musicians. It would have been a whole project. A whole convention of the Society of Musicologists, and we'd get Howard Bannister banging things with his rocks. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Well, those are Howard Bannister's rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I... They they kind of lightly touch on it, like they mention that there's Rolling Stones, but there's no Beatles, and it's like, okay, I can see that. You know, that's... Yeah. The Rolling Stones and the Beatles music, to me starts off in a similar idea. Like they both are very connected to rhythm and blues, American rhythm and blues, but they really don't go in the same direction at all. Um, to my ear, I'm not a big stones fan. Um, the stones always seem to be much closer to harder rock than the well, Beatles. If you believe John Lennon, they copied the hell out of the Beatles. I, it's, you know, here's the thing, but I'm again, not the that judge. was John Lennon's opinion. I'm not the judge, so I can't say, yeah. um, but it is, it's a fun mental exercise, right? To yeah. sit there and think, what would the world be like without the Beatles? And the answer is, maybe there would have been something else. That's something else they also don't play with. The idea that, yeah. well, if it wasn't the Beatles, maybe it was going to be somebody. And it just, you know, it's not the Stones, apparently. Because um, no. they don't make a big deal out of it. Um, I love the fact... <laughs> The fact that there's no Oasis. The only reason I say that is because the lead guy of Oasis, I can't remember his name and I don't really care, continually... No, one of the Gallagher boys, that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kept saying how much bigger and better they were than the... Be like, he kept comparing uh -huh. them. Like, it's like, just shut up and play your stupid song. Whatever. <laughs> Wonderwall. Okay. Wonderwall, which is... Uh, here's a little bit I left out of the trivia. Apparently, Wonderwall was named that because it was actually a, a an album by George Harrison. So, oh. yeah, of, of Indian music. But, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, let's go to the acting. We like to talk about that. Uh, yeah. Hamish Patel, don't know him from anything. Um, no. He's got a really... We did, hmm? he, we did see him in Don't Look Up. Oh, did we? Yes, we did. He played Michael. I don't remember him either. Okay. Um, has a really nice voice. It's a yeah. really sweet voice. Yep, and he's also he's a decent actor. Yeah, he's very he's very likable. Even though I got to say the character of Jack, you kind of want to reach oh through the screen God. and smack him, because <laughs> it's like, dude, you're telling me you've been hanging around with Ellie, who is played by Lily friggin' James, yeah. who is both adorable in this and gorgeous, and he's just had her friend zoned for ten years. Yeah, she's been waiting for him, and she says to move me into the the love, I love you column. Yeah. Like, what is the matter with you? And Beth, that is the attitude of everyone around him, by the way. His, his friend Rocky is always like, what a waste, man. Yeah. And I kind of get it because obviously uh, confidence is not his best friend. Yeah. He's He's got a very nice voice and he writes some songs that people like, but it's, it's just, and this goes back, you and I used to watch street performers a lot. Um, sure. Some of them, of course, were just, you know, doing comedy or something like that. But I used to watch, there was a pair I watched, and they were called Harrod and Funk. And I, the first day I heard them, it was a cold March day. It must have been late March, because it was after spring started, supposedly. 
And I was not in a good mood. And I was walking to go get lunch. And I heard these two singing like Simon and Garfunkel. They're playing guitars and they're harmonizing. They were beautiful. And instead of going to get something to eat, I sat down and just listened to them. And they uh, would play in Harvard Square for the next couple of years. And I would often stop and listen to them or toss them money. And they would even tell me, it's like, Mike, you don't have to give us money every time. And I was like, yeah, I kind of do. Um, and they had songs that I remember and sing, and it's the same thing. And this has got to be heartbreaking for a lot of performers. You're good. Yeah. You just don't grab you're not, the yeah. public somehow. And Good, you're not great, and you're never going to be great. You know, and at some point you wonder, what is the difference? Is it really talent and ability, or is it really <laughs> just exposure? And somebody it's an else's, opportunity, yeah. it's luck, yeah. And then nobody, nobody seems to really know. No. And that opening is goddamn sad. Because he's yeah. sitting there playing his heart out, and people are just not paying attention. Or it's the same friends, and they keep telling him to play the same song over and over again. Because um, they like it, which is nice, but it's like, you know. Mm. It's a nice t- It's also very lucky for him that the only one who remembers the Beatles is a musician. Right. Who happens to play both the guitar and the piano, which is what a lot of the Beatles songs is written for. That's another thing. Those songs were written for a group. Right. They were written for four people. Right. Not, well, not one guy. Three. Well, three, yes. <laughs> Sorry, three Ringo. A, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Just Sorry, kidding. Ringo. Just kidding. But, Just uh, kidding. It, uh, so that was a bit of luck, although that comes up. This was a thing I really liked in the movie. About h- halfway through, we get this these mysterious figures, this tall, bearded guy. Russian, yeah. Who is... We don't know he's Russian until later. Yeah, we do, because we but see him in Moscow when he's playing oh, in Moscow. Oh, that's right, that's right. True, true. And they're old, they keep showing up at his shows and staring at him in this weird, obsessive way. And one of them, at one point, starts waving this little plastic yellow submarine <laughs> at him. Yeah. And you're wondering, oh, no, this is it. He's going to get his come up, and so they're going to attack him, or they're going to be really... And finally... After he does, he does a show on the roof of a hotel. A little bit of a tribute to you know the Beatles doing the the rooftop concert. Yep. He wants to. He says, "I want to see them." They come in, and they're there to thank him. Yeah. Because they also, though they are the only three people in the world who know the Beatles, and as the woman says, neither of us can sing. Yeah. Just and they're so happy. Be- and it's it's one of the nicest lines, and I I know not everyone. Loves the Beatles, yep. but it's one of the best lines in there. I thought, uh, a world without the Beatles is a world that is infinitely worse. And they're just she they're just so happy that he brought in that he brought that he brought the Beatles music into the world. Yep. And I thought that's such a nice I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't either. I was expecting. Of course, the the Russian guy, he's this big, hulking, bearded, yeah. brooding Very figure. Very intimidating looking. Yes. Yeah. And you're expecting. And the, the, the British woman, she has this sort of scowl all the time. And it's really, I think, what turns out is that she's scowling because she can't get close enough to him to talk to him. Because he's become, mm. instantly become this thing. Um, it was a nice bit. Um, and of course, obviously, it, it one could say that the movie, let's see how to put this fawns all over the Beatles. It does. <laughs> a little. But, like them or not, you cannot <laughs> argue against their influence. So, And I do, I love that, you know, 
she's hold, he's holding the submarine. He's going like, yeah, it's like you know, I, as he says, it's like I'm in a foreign country and no one. I, I just found two other people who spoke spoke English. Yeah. And we, just, we all live in a yellow submarine, <laughs> and the Russian guy's like, I live in Octopus's garden, and they're <laughs> jumping up and down and holding hands. It's so cute. Yeah, it is really nice. But another theme that also goes through it is he's kind. Jack is kind of miserable the whole time because he's hearing all these people tell him, God, you're such a genius. Yeah. I mean, Ed Sheeran at one point, he says, you know, he's asking him how he does it. And he says, you know, well, sometimes it's the music comes first. Sometimes the lyrics come first. And he goes, I don't believe you. And he gets this look like he's found me out. He says, I don't believe how good you are. I just don't <laughs> believe it. They always told me there'd be somebody better who would come along and, and it's you. And he is both, he he's loves the fame, and he loves the success, but he's torn up because he's a fake. Yeah. Because he didn't write any of these. He's taking credit for someone else's work. Yeah, and how about that? There's a contest that uh, Ed Sheeran pulls to see who's the better Ooh. songwriter. He's like, we're going to go away for 10 minutes, and we're going to write a song from scratch. No pulling anything out of your bottom drawer. We know that Jack is going to... And we'll see which you know who comes up and with the best song. And what does he use? He uses what long winding use? road. You oh, jackass bastard! <laughs> <laughs> like he, yeah, that's what he's gonna he's gonna use to win. I mean, because how do you not? Because again, that's one of the ones. It's just such a beautiful song. Yeah, uh, especially if we pull all the the uh, Ronnie, not Ronnie Spector, uh, uh, Phil Spector stuff out Phil of Spector, the yeah. wall of sound. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was just like, wow, okay, Jack, I, I was with you up until this point. You're a jerk. <laughs> Jack, you're a jerk. Jack, you're a jerk. <laughs> um, let's go back because we didn't finish really with yeah. the acting. Uh, right. So I want to go to Lily James. Yeah. She is the sweetest. Most oh, you just patient. want to cuddle her. I know. She's, she's so, so nice. nice. In a world where there's not much nice, Lily James has a lot of nice. And I, I don't know what she sees in him at all. I think she, I can see what she sees in him. I just can't believe how patient she is. She's incredibly patient. Because you'd think that she, poor, she'd been approached many times by many other people. And she'd have to have said no to them. Yeah. Hoping yeah. that Jack will finally do something except work it. Not Home Depot. Yeah, or Costco or yeah, what have yeah. you. <laughs> and then she eventually ends up going out with the uh, sound it's, engineer. The, well, basically the first guy, they're sort of their first producer. Right. Gavin. Yeah. And yes, they go out. And poor Gavin, he gets dumped hard and he takes it. He is nicer about it than anyone I have ever heard of being dumped. Well, he is British. He is. <laughs> he also there was somebody there. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be Lily or Ellie's roommate, and that was I think it was Lucy. that was Lucy. But he seemed yeah. like he was already kind of warming up to her well, anyway. So well, and they do end up hoping. together. So we see them. Well, we see them standing next to each other later in the film. But uh, it, the actor uh, I'm going to bring out that is I think adequate. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, and well, the man isn't an actor. No, he's he's, he's but fine. he does a perfectly competent job. I almost believe him as Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I like Ed Sheeran. Um, yeah. Everything I've heard about him seems to say that he's a nice guy. I like his music a lot. Um, he's somebody I, I would. I don't know if I maybe he'd be placed on the level of the Beatles. I honestly don't know. I, I, I don't know. I I will say that I I think he's a very talented guy, and I really do enjoy, enjoy his music. Um, but it's you know often when you get somebody playing themselves, there's a little bit of blink blink 
you know, in there. And there's a little bit of Ed Blank. For all I know, that's yeah. what Ed does. I don't know. Um, but he he felt like somebody playing themselves. But it's not. It's it's fine. It's fine. Um, the the supporting characters, the the couple, his parents. <laughs> oh, they're so they're utterly believable. Yeah, they utterly believable. Even when he's a huge success, they're like they're very proud. But really, Dad's more interested in the fact that there's this whole plate of sandwiches in the uh, <laughs> in the green room and wants to know if he could have a couple and take take the plate. Oh, the, oh what a great day! <laughs> That's adorable. The guy who plays Rocky is fine. Is is ready? He's fine. He's a, I wouldn't trust him to carry a harmonica, but sure. No. Utterly, you know, just who, as he is described, in fact, by by Jack. Uh, or where is it? Uh, I, I had to write it down. Rocky is famously a world class moron. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he insults <laughs> Ed Sheeran as they're getting on Ed Sheeran's plane. Yeah, but he's purely. You can tell he's just very good hearted. He's just an utter screw up. Yeah, and. One of my favorites in this, the funniest one, even if she is playing an absolute caricature, or is she, is Kate McKinnon. <laughs> I don't think it's a caricature. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the worst part. Is She plays this absolutely heartless... The, the thing that it is not quite believable is how honest she is about it. She's this record executive, and she's like... She says, oh, you're the fa- you must be the famous Ellie. Oh, he's mentioned me. No, not at all. <laughs> but... Because I've never asked him about his life because he's just a product to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and my favorite one at the end when he's running away and she's yelling, Stop in the name of money! <laughs> she yeah. has some of the funniest lines in the movie. And she is hilarious as just utterly mercenary and absolutely upfront about it. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at him going, Yeah, you're not attractive. <laughs> I will say he looks a lot better without the beard because he has this big beard and then he gets hit by a bus and they have to shave it so they can help, you know, just, you know, fix his face. Reconstruct his face, yeah. Uh, and he really does look better without the beard. Um, it yeah. wasn't shaped or anything either. And I don't know. It also made him look older. <laughs> yeah. but. Is, is this the best you can look? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. And they do the first video and he's not really in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is fine. I have a question oh. for you. Yeah. One of the songs he sings in Moscow, back in the USSR, do you think that would really go over that well in today's Russia? No, <laughs> it would really not. In fact, a lot of people are going, what the hell's a US, what the hell's an usser? Yeah. I, I, but no, it would not go over well in Moscow. <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking, too. It's one of those things about how would the Beatles songs age or if they were reintroduced. And it's like, mm, maybe not that one. Uh, I also like when he's at the big marketing meeting, which is actually what they call it, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're getting ready to release his album. Yeah, and he had all these ideas, all based on Beatles albums, right? Like you know, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and they all giggle and like, "Well, that is a lot of words." <laughs> and the White Album had some diversity issues. <laughs> And of course, he, and now to be fair, I'm sure this was, in fact, written by a white guy, and it's being a line delivered by a man of color, but he's like, what are you talking about? Like, he doesn't get it. Because, of course, all he can think of is, it's called the White Album because there's nothing on the cover. It's white. That's it. I mean, the Beatles were also white, but that's not, that wasn't the point. Um, And again, and what they come up with is, it twists the knife in his stomach, and they all think they're being really flattering. It's, you know, the, you know, Jack Malik, one man only. Yeah, and how he is the only—he's the only one who who has written 
the songs he wrote all the the, the lyrics and the music and he's like yeah, yeah. that sounds great i'll have to ask my manager oh <laughs> i did and there's that bizarre dream sequence with james corden <laughs> yeah when so he's he's on james corden and he's sitting there james corden of course james corden's a big music fan he gets anybody and everybody to do karaoke in his car with him which is fine <laughs> And he's sitting there talking, oh, yeah, I love your stuff, man. I love your stuff. Uh, now, you know, we found some people who say that they wrote your songs and it wasn't you. And, uh, well, we actually have them here today. And all we see are two pairs of feet. And if you know anything about the Beatles, one of them's got shoes, one of them doesn't, you know yeah. immediately which one's which. And it's like, oh, that's yep. Paul and that's Ringo. Um, yeah. Because as everyone knows, that's not really Paul. Paul's dead. Miss him. Miss him. <laughs> All been slain in a bloody slain. car crash. <laughs> All dead. Uh, yeah. So because yeah, that, and he, and then he wakes up in a cold sweat, right? Because he's always expecting someone to call him out, to someone to say that you're just a fraud. Yeah. And I was, I, I have in my notes like, huh, I wonder how they got James Corden in this movie. Oh, I guess they just turned on a camera and he appeared. <laughs> yeah. He does tend to show up a lot. I have a couple questions for you, though, Max. Uh, These are sort of talking point questions that are not going to go through the rest of the series. But um, if this was you, how many Beatles songs do you think you could remember? All the lyrics and at least the melody. (laughs) The melody, I could remember, I don't know, a few, a couple dozen. I I listened to a lot of Beatles songs, but there are a ton that I, I couldn't recreate them on paper, certainly. Yeah. And I certainly couldn't pull them out of the air and just play them. Yeah. But I, I think I know the words because that was what I always focused on. Uh, and I like when he's trying to recreate Eleanor Rigby, which is a tricky <laughs> one, except I knew that because that's one of two Beatles songs that's in the Norton Anthology of Poetry. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, that's when he's like, socks, socks. I know there's socks in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... Uh, Father uh, Mackenzie donning they, his socks where... Uh, bleh, 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 bleh. <laughs> no, writing a sermon. Yes, 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 yes. Um, or I, I do like that Ed Sheeran convinces him that the song would be better if it was Hey Dude. Ed Sheeran is wrong. It, <laughs> but he does it. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, real Another point of trivia I didn't put in there. The We see at some point that uh, Jack goes back to Liverpool to get inspiration, but he's looking at places like Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, which are nothing. Like, yeah. oh, it's a park that's being ripped up. And oh, it's a, a road like any other road. He goes to a local church, and there's a graveyard in the churchyard, and he goes to a grave of Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby. Which yeah. is true. That is an yeah. actual grave. And apparently um, they've wondered if that wasn't, in fact, the the uh, inspiration that was where John was from. And they're like, you know, he could have seen it. He could have seen it. And then everyone points yeah. out, except, yeah, that Paul wrote that one. So it doesn't really ah. matter. <laughs> All right, so... Even so, if you were this person, if you were Jack Malik's position, you yeah. were you were the only one who remembered Beatles songs. Yeah, what would you do? I'd go and find me uh, some other creators, like actual songwriters, and say, "Hey, I've got an idea for a song, but I'm not sure how to transpose it." And uh, I, I'd become part of a songwriting team. But you wouldn't tell. Well, I don't know. I'd like to think I wouldn't try because I I've never wanted to be a rich and famous musician. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I would do it. And also, uh, there is still the question of would they work today? Could you pluck them out of time? Are they that timeless? I think some of them are. I really do. I think yesterday, 
I think in my life, I, uh, I think uh, Long and Winding Road, there are a number that I think would work no matter where they were. I, it's really hard. This film kind of tries to make you think about it, but it doesn't really answer the question very well. No. I, I think there are some, but I think as a catalog... I don't think it would have anything like the impact it did when they came out. Probably not. I mean, at the very least, well, music's changed a lot. And while there's yeah. still room for singer-songwriter stuff, that's not what's popular. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a hip rap, pop, hoopa-doopa, you know, what those kids <laughs> listen to. Hippity-hoppity, yeah. <laughs> um, Easter's on its way. <laughs> you know, electronic music. People don't care if people can play instruments. Yeah. Boy, that's ironic, isn't it? Now we don't it, yeah. care if monkeys can play their instruments or not. Yeah. We don't even care yeah. if real monkeys can play them. Um, <laughs> so I, my feeling is no. I think they would be thought of as really well-written songs, I just don't think they'd be that big a thing. So I could see you trying it and then finding out that it's like, it's moderately successful. And it's like, eh, you know what? Since I'm not going to be that famous, the hell with John Port, John Paul, George and Ringo. But in in this, he becomes a huge, a superstar right. and they're giving away the songs initially. So it's just uh, like the first few songs they give away and he, uh, the outlet people up uh, download them for free to sort of spike interest. Well, importantly, they give them as free downloads. That's not at right. all the same as what Jack ends up doing, which right. is at Wembley Stadium. And apparently what they did was after an actual Ed Sheeran concert, ah. they hired extras and they shot the scenes. But at the end of Ed Sheeran, basically his buddy Ed, he's like, hey, Ed, can I come on stage during your concert? <laughs> and Ed's like, sure, best friend, buddy. <laughs> and he comes on and he does some songs and he also brings Ellie up on the Jumbotron, which is probably not at all awkward uh -huh. and says sorry to her. But then he says, look, I didn't write these. It was written by these four <laughs> people and I'm releasing the rights. And this is the one thing he does that Rocky gets right is that Rocky's in the back, basically about to upload them fruits to some free mm -hmm. lyric site. And he's basically like, look. Here, you have them all. The world can have all the rights to these and do whatever they want with them. And, of course, yeah. <laughs> the evil bad lady is like, no! Yeah, she's, like, ready to murder him. Yeah. He's, he is very sensibly flees yeah. because I think she would have killed him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stop in the name of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice... You gotta wonder, though, in theory, yeah. several of the Beatles would still be alive, and he names them. Yeah. And... Are these guys sitting at home or they hear about this and go, well, we didn't write anything. What's he talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can see why I was like, my first thought was, wow, there's no legal consequences or anything to this. And I'm like, well, there wouldn't be. Not because he just accused himself of plagiarizing people who didn't write anything. Right. Yeah. So it, it's very odd. And then he, he gets a real happy ending. He goes home. He obviously marries Ellie. They're playing um, Obladi, Obladi, Oblada, and yeah. He's got two kids. Yep. <laughs> He's a teacher, yep. music teacher. He's playing songs for the kids. The kids seem to like it. Um, but as we all know from Coda, really what they want to play is Let's Get It On. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> that's appropriate. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and everybody lives happily. Because it's a rom-com, let's yeah. face it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's a fairy tale. Let's, put, let's, let's go put that out there. This yeah. is a fairy tale. Yeah, one thing I did like just about the in the rom com element we didn't talk about is there is a sequence where he's becoming famous. She comes to see him. They 
almost but don't sleep together. And she leaves, and he's realizing, oh my God, what have I done? And he does the rom-com thing of chasing through the city, trying to catch her before she gets on the train, slash bus, slash airplane, slash boat, slash goat cart. Remember, he did write Notting Hill, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. which has the exact same It's scene such it. a thing. It's in every rom-com, practically. There's yeah. the running. Usually it's raining or something. <laughs> There's the running and the raining, the raining and the screaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he catches her, and she says no. Or it's not it. They don't because I remember looking at this, going, "Wait a minute, we're only halfway through the movie. This, how is this going?" And no, it doesn't work. It's like you know what? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Of course, then he does the big dramatic gesture at the end, which does work. Well, the reason it doesn't work is because he's being called back by evil bad lady to yeah. you know, get back on a plane and go do what he needs to do to be rich and famous, you know, with the standard rich and famous contract. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Orson Welles. And yep. he doesn't pick her. No, the, she says, look, I can't be part of this. You know, you're, you're turned, you've turned into someone. I don't know. I didn't know. It's like, I don't know the person who wrote these songs. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> Any of them. yeah, but she says, if you stay here, stay in Liverpool or in England, yeah. in London, then uh, uh, maybe we could work. But I, I can't go with you. I can't be part of this. I'm that's not my kind of life. And he chooses the fame and the money, it, at least for a while, because yeah. he realizes he made a mistake, or someone in particular tells him. Yes, we. That, uh, that's, that, there's a little twist there we'd like to allude to, but kind of leave yeah. to leave out because I think it's one yeah. of those things that. If you see the film, you're, you're going to be happy you didn't see it coming, because yeah. God knows I didn't. Um, yeah. But I think it's really nice that the character of Ellie remains true to herself. She's not yeah. in any way. It's funny. She's the one trying to get him his fame and fortune. But when it actually finally comes, she's like, well, I didn't mean that much. She, yeah. She's the one who's trying. And she's the one who believes him, in him. Why? We don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. God knows why. And... <laughs> And he wants to give up, and she won't let him. And yeah. Yeah. The character of Ellie is is slightly unbelievable in that way she's so devoted to him. But she's so yeah. nice, and she's so <laughs> understanding. I don't know. I, I sort of overlooked it because I just liked her that much. And I do like yeah. Jack. I totally get his position. Yeah, um, he's, a, he's a believable, flawed human being. Yeah. And he's got a real. It, the sad thing is, is that when he, this is true, when he's singing his own songs, he's fine. When he's yeah. singing the Beatles songs, he's actually much better. <laughs> yeah. Well, because his songs, and I think they go out of the, their way to prove this. His songs aren't okay. Yeah. He's a he's a good singer and a profoundly mediocre songwriter. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. And now he has. He's a good singer with some of the, what he believes to be the greatest songs ever. Yeah. One of the other things this film does not do. And this sometimes works and sometimes it really doesn't. This film makes absolutely no attempt to explain why this happened. None. Yeah, there's nothing. Nope. Nothing. There's no magic leprechaun. There's no, oh, a solar flick. Nothing. There, nothing. Never went, there was like, oh, there was a power blip. I wonder what that was. And it was yeah. literally him getting out. I was expecting, I don't know about you, but I was expecting, oh, he got hit by the bus. We're actually in some sort of coma. Yeah. And that's what I thought, or he was in, or he was about to die, or, yeah. or he was, you know, in the death throes it, of it's nope. Owl Creek Bridge all over again, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And spoiler, that's not yeah. how it ends. 
No. Nope. And it doesn't go back to normal. No, it doesn't. It's not like everyone goes, oh, the Beatles, I forgot. Yeah. And this is exactly opposite what we've said with other films that have quote-unquote magic in it, like Harry Potter, yeah. where it's like, no, you need to explain this because it makes no sense. In this case, yeah. they literally change one thing. There's no continuation of the magic or the aliens or whatever the heck it was. It was literally like, we're, we're changing one variable. Yes, Coke. Yes, Thursday Night Live. <laughs> fine. But really, we're... No we're, Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter, for example. I, but that's I, it. Yeah. yeah. And because of that, it works. Yeah. I do like the way at the. It's just about the end. They find they've just slept together, and he's like, "Oh, I feel like Harry Potter after he defeated Voldemort." And she's like, "Harry Potter, who's that?" <laughs> and for a moment, he's thinking about it. And you can see him googling Harry Potter, and it doesn't exist. And he goes, "No, but he doesn't matter." <laughs> it's like, "Thank good, good, good." <laughs> I'm uh, I'm finished with my notes. How about you there, uh, Mr. Co-host Max, who's never heard of Cleo's Gone, Twinkle Down, <laughs> Messerschmitt? Uh, yeah, I think that... Yep, that was pretty much everything I've got. Then let's get to the Roundup. The Roundup. So, Max. So, Mike. Too bad. Got there first. <laughs> so, it. Max. You, yeah. you saw this, you saw, oh, Beatles I songs, did. I'm entranced, or at least I'm interested. You got me with Beatles songs back in 2019. You saw this in the yep. theater, right? I did. Have you seen it since then? No. Okay, so when you first saw it, do you remember what you thought? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't a brilliant movie, but I thought it was nice. I thought it was very sweet. Yeah. And again, it had Beatles music that I liked in it. It had the good Beatles music. And he performs it well. He does. Yeah. I, I liked it, and it surprised me at times. It didn't go a lot of the ways I thought it would. No. What did you think this time? I, I think it holds up. I still like it. I think I like it a little more, because I now that I sort of know where it's going, uh, there's some nice anticipation of some of the scenes I really liked, like his, his meeting the other two people on Earth who remember the Beatles, yep. you know, and, and the little twist, and uh, even the ending I liked a little better. Hmm. What about you? Now you didn't. You have not seen this before. No, I have not. This is my first time. I do remember the previews, and I remember thinking that it might be kind of fun, and I just never got around to it. Um, and then when we were doing this series, I was like, "Yeah, let's do some Beatles with Jason." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that movie where they forget. And I had to go looking for it because I can't remember the name of the uh. movie. Um, overall, it's nice. It's a yeah. rom com. It's nice. I like yeah. Jack. I like Ellie better than I like Jack. Um, yeah. I get where he's coming from. I, he has a nice voice. He It speaks to all of the people that make or do something creative that never make it and always dream of getting there or doing something or whatever. And it's like, you know, what about me? What would I do? Um, yeah. And, you know, it does shine a light on the downside of fame, right? Mm -hmm. um, again, there's this little thing we don't want to talk about, but... It's a very interesting comparison when this thing pops up, especially when we're comparing it to Jack signing the standard rich and famous contract. Yep. Um, I will say that while it doesn't drag, it's long. <laughs> it's, it's about two hours and it feels like it. Yeah, it's... It's, it's a bit long for a rom-com. It is. And there's parts... And again, I don't think it drags, but I did no. feel like the, maybe a little bit more editing wouldn't have hurt much. Apparently, yeah. and I did not know this, there was an entire 
potential love interest for Jack that was cut out of the film. And there was a, a, a lawsuit because people who rented it and this... So people who paid $3.99 to rent this film because the preview they saw had this actress in it. And oh. then they saw the film and they're like, she's not in the film because they cut her out. They sued or tried to sue oh, Sony $5 million because they were misled. It's like, how this about for $4? You can be, this couldn't possibly have passed the giggle test. I hope not because it's so dumb. But the fact that people would even think this was a Who's thing to do. Come on. I can't remember. The actor? I can't remember yeah. her name. Okay. But she was basically, it was going to be a point where Jack, it looks like he either does stray with her or is going to. Uh, and they thought that mm. would make Jack less likable. They're right. Yeah, it's true. That was one of the things I kind of liked is there's nothing with him sleeping with groupies or other musicians or, you know, <laughs> oh, he, he basically uni- appears- he's universally frightened of everything. <laughs> I think so. I mean, he pretty much seems to be celibate through most of the movie. Yeah. And it's, you know, the fact that they don't drag sex into it is fine. We don't need it. There's plenty of other things going on. Um, And there's a little bit, you know, the end when they have obviously slept together. It's nice. Um, It's it's not. It's nice. It's a nice nice. film. If you like. It's a very nice movie. If you like rom-coms, if you like Beatles music, if you need some nice, this is a great film for that. I did enjoy it. I do recommend it. It's not, it is not perfect, but so what? It's nice. It's fluff. It's nice fluff. It's nice. And it, it does showcase the Beatles very nicely. And you know, you know what else showcases the Beatles? What? Our poll question. Yes. Tell us it again, it, won't you? It um, doesn't actually have anything to do with the Beatles. But we'd like to ask you if you would uh, like to answer once again. If you could strike one movie or franchise from the memories of everyone and be sure it would never show up ever, 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 ever again, which one it would, would it be? And you can let us know in the following manners. You can email us directly and get triple Bumpy Bucks just this week and a free case of Bumpy Bucks cereal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, second prize is two cases. (laughs) If you write us at us at Max Mike Movies, that might suggest you may say... Dot com. A website. Dot com, which is in fact Ed, uh, Ed, 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 Mike movies.com. <laughs> Max Mike movies.com uh, is where we keep all of our episodes. They are still fresh and ready to be listened to again and again and again. You can leave comments there as well as some people sometimes do. Thank you. Snowman. Uh, you can give us suggestions for future shows or future series. We love to hear them and we have acted upon them in the past. If you have a podcast app of your choice, well, boy, howdy, we're probably on it. We just made it to, what, Amazon Music this week? Yep, we're on Amazon Music now. And they have given us many great opportunities to buy things at Amazon by putting us on Amazon Music. (laughs) Uh, So if you have a favorite podcast app, we're there, more likely than not. And last but not least, if you do social media and who doesn't, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. And again, we haven't heard from anybody thinking we should be on Instagram. So if you think we should be on Instagram, let us know. And heck, might only take one of you to get us on Instagram. Hey, I I tried to put us up on on Trump's uh, Truth social social media account, but uh, I try I installed it on my phone, and my phone caught fire. (laughs) I was going to say, I hope you're kidding, but um, (laughs) yes, we're continuing on with. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles, but how, Max, do tell us how. How are we continuing? Well, I th- thought we would watch another movie. Oh. Oh. Yes. Mm. Really? Crazy, okay. huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, this one is, this is also Beatles adjacent in that they are not in it, but it is very Beatles influenced in that it is loaded with their music. It is, in a way, a Beatles jukebox movie uh-huh. called 
across the universe. Which is where you're going if you're not careful. Oh! <laughs> oh. But you don't have to go across the universe to hear our next no. show. No, you can just tune in and listen. Yep, in fact, you could be in whatever part of the universe you are in currently listening to this one, to the next one. And the one after. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.